question, Dad. Are mobile suits more important to you than human beings? <sighs> it almost looks like this mobile suit is shaking in terror. It's a mobile suit! Amaro, is that you inside that mobile suit? Let's just see. Let's test the reaction time of your brand new mobile suit. You alone are responsible for the mobile suit now. Is that understood? These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Wish it was Sunday. That's Matt. Tomorrow Ray. I don't have to run It's just another mobile suit. Ray. Mobile suit. In war, to keep the upper hand, you have to think two or three moves ahead of the enemy. Hey guys, welcome back to another gun cannon horrific goof-tastic episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek. Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your white base crew tonight, but I am not alone. I am here with three, count them, three of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike. You got any salt? Hey, this is Justin. Hey, everybody. This is Tony. And no, I'm not going to say the line that everybody expects me to say. This is no Zaku, boy. No Zaku. So we are here and we're continuing our chronological coverage of the original Mobile Suit Gundam anime. We're up to episode 16, which is titled Sela's Agony. And the Japanese air date was July 21st, 1979. And the English air date was August 10th, 2001. And of course, we've got our little intro that sets up the show talks a little bit about the one year war, but mostly focuses on side three, AKA the principality of Zeon. And then it also kind of tells us how the white base managed to avoid an attack on the colony side seven, and then later escape to earth. So we're all up to date on the status of the white base. And then we get the title card, which is sailor's agony. And the exhausted white base crew have been traveling across a desert in Central Asia to rendezvous with a messenger from General Revel. Chef Tamura brings Bright some food, but tells him he noticed that they are all out of salt. Just then, a jeep is detected by binoculars, and Bright, Ryu, and Hayato go out into the desert to meet their contact. After a secret phrase is exchanged, Bright has the driver brought to the infirmary of the white base. Sela tells Bright that Sun Malo performed some first aid on the jeep driver, but that he's still very weak. He tells Bright about Odessa Day coming in the next five days, which is the Federation's planned operation to take back the mines held by Cassilia's officer, Makuve. Sela then tells Bright she doesn't think the Jeep driver will make it. 
Meanwhile, Amuro continues his repairs on Gundam, and Frau Bo brings him some food and tells him all about the salt shortage. Mirai tells Bright that they can make a detour to a nearby salt lake and extract some salt from the water. When Marker Clan confirms to Bright that so long as they don't run into Makuve's forces that they can go anywhere they want, Bright decides let's make the side trip to get some salt. Elsewhere, we're reintroduced to Ron Baral and Crowley Haman, who are riding in a gallop across the desert. Their intent is to intercept the White Base and avenge Garmazabi. Makuve tells Ensign Uragang to advise Rambaral of the new intel regarding the White Base's course change, mainly to get them away from what he's really up to. So yeah, let's let's take a pause in the middle of this, and, and I guess there's a bunch of stuff to talk about. But basically, we're picking up from from where we left off last time. No more Doan's Island stuff. We're getting into the real the real Doan, which is going to be Rambaral. And God. yeah, yeah, yeah. No more no more goats. No more kids. We're getting into a pretty decent arc, a, a very memorable arc. I don't, I don't know. Do you guys have anything that you want to talk about as far as the, the first couple moments of this episode? I always forget that, like. People always like to make fun of the whole, oh, there's the episode where they're looking for salt. Like, and I forget, like, the whole, like, that was only, like, a B-plot. Like, I feel like, I think at some point I conflated the Doan's Island episode with the Search for Salt episode. And I, because I do, was do, like, oh, yeah. that I was going to ask, do people legit make fun of this episode because they're looking yeah, for I salt? Yeah, I always, yeah, I always hear, like, in reviews of the series or something, like, there's, like, you know, oh, there's an episode where they're upset about finding salt and stuff and i'm like i like i don't i never remember that there's an actual like plot driven like subplot like to this i feel like that's well. written i feel like that's written by a bunch of assholes who have never like had to like you know i don't know go without food or 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 never even consider the notion that they'd have to go without some kind of essential or whatever because that's i don't know i, I always kind of take that as th this is all part of the real robot genre and sometimes like i question like the science of it all but like i think i tried to look it up and kind of went eh, this th i don't know this this all pretty much tracks right i mean you can yeah you can pretty much like get salt from a, a saltwater lake i mean that's not it's not like impossible right and 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 you know i guess technically i mean i don't know if they're exaggerating it in the episode or not but i guess technically lakes move and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I just I, I, I guess I thought that was kind of funny that that people would just sort of make fun of it. But I mean, I, I don't know, like may, maybe maybe I'm in the minority. I mean, maybe maybe you guys think it's exaggerated, you know, the the way that uh, the chef makes it out like it's going to it's going to destroy morale if they don't have any salt on their on their food or whatever. Oh, I mean, he is a chef, so, I mean, he would, you know, naturally like to have some salt, <laughs> you know, to cook. It does, I mean, it, it does sound kind of horrible when you think about it, like, just having, like, bland, like, stale-ish food all the time. So, I guess, you know, it, it definitely is a morale thing. Yeah, and, I mean, salt does have other uses, and, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a salt fan here, but, I mean, you do need sodium in your body. I mean, yeah. it is important. There is salt deficiency, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and I guess I guess talking about Chef Tamura, I, I, I don't know. I had this thought because we're I don't know that we're necessarily introduced to a bunch of characters in this episode per se. But I'm I'm because th I 
just me personally, like talking about being a podcaster, like I always have to look up these fuckers' names because I can never remember Marker Clan or Job John or Sun Malo or Chef Tamura. Like I don't remember these guys. And like I think the reason why is because like they're important. They're part of the white base crew. But like I don't think I don't know, like maybe I'm wrong and you guys can prove me wrong, but I feel like there's never like some moment in Zeta where like they all get some tomatoes from like Chef Tamura or some shit or like somebody like, I don't know, breaks their arm and they have to go to Sun Malo's clinic and fucking, you know, bumfuck Mars Colony or something to get it patched up or whatever. There's no I I think once these guys do their tour of duty, like they're kind of done. So like it's like I think that's why I tend to not remember those guys but i was kind of curious like do you ever do you guys ever think about like i don't know the future and or non-futures of of some of these like side characters where it's like you're like who's that guy like it's like you're like i know that guy because he's always around but what the hell's his name again you know i i honestly can't remember like when else the chef shows up other than like you know in just random scenes where they're in the cafeteria Mm -hmm. or something like I, I, like I can't remember if the chef was on the friggin' like a skate pod in the last episode or whatever, right, or something right, right, right. like that. So, well, and I mean, you know, we're kind of conditioned to care about like mainly the, uh, the bridge crew, and the and the 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 Gundam assault team. You know, the the gun cannon, the gun tank, and the Gundam. Or those are the like characters we care about. We're we're told to care about like those guys and the bridge crew. Those those are the important ones. And the other ones will walk in or do something for a couple of seconds in every episode. There's like a different one or a recurring one. So, yeah, it gets kind of hard to keep, you know, you got to have a checklist, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's kind of how I feel. I know I was trying to keep tabs on the 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 movie dub moments. And, and this is where or just the movie differences in general and and this episode in particular, I think, has pointed out to me that the elements of Ron Baral and Crowley Haman kind of are spread out among movie one and movie two. And I, I you know, I kind of noticed that in, in, in kind of trying to do some research for this. And I guess, you know, all the stuff that we've seen to this point with Amaro and 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 him, you know, reuniting with his mother and 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 that whole thing in the movie it's like there there's i i don't think they tend to address ron Baral's introduction until after all that stuff is done whereas i guess the first time we've seen him in the series the the last time we saw both of them was in episode 12 like because it had to you know it sort of tied into to garma's funeral but i think the way they position some of these scenes, it's like Garma's funeral is 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 kind of neck deep in all this other stuff, and and then you get introduced to Rambaral and and Haman, and then and then you've got like you know Mukuve and Ensign Uragang introduced as well, right? And then and then they're it, it, it's it's weird because in the in the television episode, it sounds like he's kind of concerned that that they're going to catch him doing something, you know, that maybe he's not supposed to be doing. And I think in the movie, they make it much more simple, you know, or, or I don't know, maybe more mercenary because, you know, Ron Baral works for Dozel, right? That's his 
you know, of the zombies, right? Rambaral, like he he's he works for Admiral Dozel, and Makuve works for Cassilia. And I think in the movie, Makuve is more less concerned. At, like it's not like they try to turn it into this whole subterfuge thing. It's more just like, well, like I don't work for fucking you know Dozel. Like let Dozel's guys take care of this shit, you know, like let them handle the fucking white base, you know, like that's kind of the the vibe you get out of Makuve in the film. Whereas I, I think in this, like I, I was kind of having thoughts about Makuve and I was almost like thinking he was like doing the Grand Admiral Thrawn thing, like way before Grand Admiral Thrawn, like he's kind of, you know, he he's a, you know, we've seen him in other things and talked about him on this podcast before, but, you know, he's kind of like a student of history and he's he's looking at these kind of classic antiques in the scene that were introduced to him in. And you, you get the idea like he's kind of like Thrawn has ahead. been shown to do, you know, using the 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 art using the 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 knowledge that he knows of other cultures to sort of predict you know maybe strategies or or what they're up to or what they're gonna do so that that that's just some of my initial thoughts in the first couple scenes. So as we mentioned, you know, in this scene, they show Ramba traveling in the gallop. I, I collected a lot of those mobile suit in action. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in the early aughts, and I had a gallop. They made a gallop oh, cool. toy. Cool. Yeah, and. It was. It was very cool, actually, because it was scaled to those size figures. They just like the show. They come out of the front in that big payload door. It has the little cannons and shit like that. It, it was a really cool toy. And you could shove like a fucking know, dozen fucking figures in the damn thing. It was all like oh, wow. hollowed out. on. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was really cool. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, you know, like I said, I had to rewatch this because I haven't watched it in years. And it was like, you know, I was like, oh, man, you know, they made me remember that toy. And I was like, oh, man, that was a cool ass toy. So, yeah, that was like some good memories right there. I was like, heck, yeah. <laughs> man, those that 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 was a golden age for if you wanted to buy Gundam toys, because they were releasing like every single vehicle from the original Gundam, like <laughs> like at that point, like in Walmarts and Targets and stuff. But didn't it yeah. dried up pretty fast when it wasn't selling too well? So, and now you can't find any of this shit on eBay. Like, they if you do find them, they're really, really expensive. I remember, like, you know, I, I, I wasn't buying too many of them or anything, but I, I remember that, like, when I finally got those Gundam banks, you know, the 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 ones that you know were, were electronic and made, you know sounds and you know sort of had action stuff when you press the buttons and stuff I, I remember getting those specifically because i found them at a toys r us on the way like there there, there were always these i don't know when, whenever i would make that long trip from like la to to the bay area you know going back and forth and stuff whether it was just to go home for the holidays or because i was you know switching stuff up or you know whatever i was doing you know, like I, I would stop at like random places on the drive back because I wasn't always in that area just to see kind of like, oh, what's in this Toys R Us? Like, is there something cool or whatever? And I remember they had a lot of stuff on clearance and that's kind of why I bought what I bought. So I, I can imagine like some of those things, you know, that you would come across and maybe, the, you know, the initial retail price would have been too expensive. But the, you know, if, if things were on sale, like people might have you know, bought them all up or whatever. And that, that sounds like that gallop is like a much more larger scale, you know, almost like a troop transport or something, you know? 
it was it was a good sized vehicle for say like a GI Joe scale figure. How fortunate they're moving away from my mines. Wait a minute. Inform Rambaral of the news. If he can get rid of the Trojan horse without any complications, then maybe he won't be around for long. We most certainly wouldn't want Admiral Dozel finding out what I'm really doing. Sir. <laughs> Kurigan, Rambaral is anxious to avenge the death of Garma. I want you to forward this report to him at once. Yes, sir. If only Ranba can destroy the Trojan horse for us, I won't have to risk splitting up my own forces. After all, Ranba's division is under Dozel's command. I'm under Kishiria Zabi's command, so I have no obligation to support Ranba. But I will let him help me. Sir! So, so disappointingly, the white face discovers that the lake on the map, which in the original Japanese language, they call it Lob Lake. And I guess that lake has dried up. And since the, the map was pre the one year war, they think that, you know, maybe the lake has moved since then and they, they head out to find it. And as the gallop approaches, white face goes to high alert combat status one and the Gundam, gun cannon, and gun tank are all placed on standby. Rombaral's plan is to attack the white base on two fronts with the gallop on one front and then his goof and two Zakus on the other. Amuro then discovers that Gundam is already launching and Job John tells him it is Sela in the cockpit. Dun dun dun. What the fuck? Special orders? You're in trouble, Job John. Why didn't Job John go to the brig? Because he was just a dumb fuck? Like, <laughs> what I need is a 50 chapter manga side story detailing the life and tragic end of Job John. I, that's kind of what I want. I mean, sort of, kind of. I, 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 yeah, like, I just kind of want to know, like, you know, what happened. He's it doesn't have to be a 50 chapters. I'm pretty sure he survives the series, but I don't think they ever do anything with him again. Like maybe this, like Justin said, there's some kind of ma manga backstory where he joins like the Aug or something, but who knows? So Ron Baral's got his two buddies, uh, Akus and Kozun that go out with him. And, and one of the reasons why I was happy that we, we have Tony on the show is because I know you're, you know, I know Ron Baral's like one of your favorites and you like, you know, the, the goof in particular. So like, you know, I, I kind of wanted you on the show just to, to fanboy out over some of that stuff. I mean, is it interesting to revisit this? Like, do, do you still fanboy out about these things or does it have like, I, I find myself like looking at it kind of going like, Oh, is this early installment weirdness? Or am I just like warped by like all these later interpretations that don't quite gel with the original vision of things so i don't know I'm, ju I'm just curious like what your what your take on it is tony well i mean like sure they they've updated and refined the goof like you know it has all kinds of weapons layouts and payloads now with all the different models and different series it's appeared in what have you you know some people might think the uh, 08 ms team is the best goof and all that but Still, for me, I got to say the Goof and Rambo Rawl are just like the perfect pairing because especially the way they kind of present not just Rambo Rawl, not that he's not only a great pilot, 
but like, you know, take Char Zaku. Sure, it's red, and people know it's Char by, you know, those colors, and he's a red baron of the, the Zeon forces, but it's not really pimped out. It's not really a command unit, really, besides the fact that Char is just an incredible pilot. And then you have Rama, and he does have kind of a command unit. A goof is not just, you know, a rank and file, everybody gets one kind of uh, mobile suit. And that makes Rambaral seem more important, I think, in this arc than just, you know, your regular good pilots. You know, like Char's different. He's a superior pilot. He's always going to get the appreciation. But th this at least lets, gives you a visual cue that Ramba is somebody who's pretty big in the Xeon forces. And a lot of the action scenes, I think, hold up. I think, you know, when he's going at it, you know, like he's 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 a badass. He really is. I I, the, I guess one of the things I was getting at that maybe I'll ask Mike about is is like the the it it does seem like even though like you're I don't know I I feel like sometimes like the spin on things like Gundam the Origin is like oh it's it's a retelling but it's pretty much the same thing and and like it's funny because I feel like if you compare what they tell you of Ron Baral's backstory in the original anime compared to you know, all these things were told in the the origin, like they they, they are kind of different, you know, like they're not quite the same character. So I, I, I thought that was interesting, too, because, you know, you know how we were kind of talking about like Doan and like, oh, Doan in this, you know, the, the, the abandoned episode, you know, he's not like the bee's knees of pilots, you know, it just so happened he, he got good at, you know, throwing rocks and hand to hand combat and that was just by, you know, sheer necessity. Whereas, you know, when you see these movies, it's like, he's like the second coming, he's, uh, you know, almost as good as Char and yada, yada, yada. And I feel like so sometimes some of that, you know, kind of, you know, it's like the fan aura, right? It's, it spills over into like Gundam, the origin and all these, you know, movies and stuff like that. And I'm not saying like that, what Tony's saying is inaccurate, that the, the action scenes don't hold up or that he's not, he's not skilled and or respected, but I feel like the reasons why he's skilled and or respected in the original anime have to do with maybe, you know, certain historical comparisons rather than just like, you know, fan or like he's, he's so awesome, you know, but I'm, I'm just curious if you think I'm overstating things, you know, as far as that, Gundam the origin kind of fan aura amping him up or or what it like what do you think about you know quote unquote early installment weirdness or like what's your take on you know we're we're you know this is kind of like the reintroduction of Rambo Rawl but now we're actually like seeing him you know you know going into action you know you know going after the white base I think that you know he he was developed as like an arc villain, basically, like, you know, they were doing the, their little like desert crawl arc, you know, and he was going to be the main bad guy. And I mean, he wasn't designed like, you know, it's weird to say, but like none of these characters were designed to be like, this guy's going to be the breakout fan favorite or something. Right, right. Like, I mean, so, I mean, you know, he's he's cool under pressure, you know, even when he loses his two guys, he knows exactly how to, you know. He knows when to like cut and run, like so. I mean, I don't know, like maybe, maybe, yeah, like you said, like future, future fan aura and portrayals in the origin are influencing your view of Rambaral now. But yeah, like I, I mean, I, I, I don't see any like you know, 
it's weird, but like basic competence is like a, a trait that's like taken for granted, I guess, nowadays. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, you know, he, he, even when things go wrong, he's like, OK, we're pulling out like, you know, I lost, you know, Kozun and uh, the other guy. Hey, like, so we're, we got to, you know, reassess. So let's go. Like, so, I mean, I, I think he has a better showing in like his debut episode. And, you know, he's he's still got a few fights left in him. So. And, I, you know, he hasn't, even though he's fought Amaro, he hasn't established a personal connection with Amaro, which is coming very soon. So, like, that that's, you know, more of that, maybe where that fan aura comes from. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess beyond fan aura, too, I was just noticing that, like, when I looked at, like, say, something like the Gundam Wiki, you know, his history in this is... You know, he, he was a great tactician. He, he He's a guerrilla fighter, you know, and, and he made a name for himself during the battle of I'm going to probably mispronounce it. But what is it? Battle of Loom. And then I think when you when you look at, say, like the the origin thing, they, they have like this whole separate thing where him and Dozel had a falling out because Dozel used chemical weapons and. It was like he was he was badass, but then he was kind of put on the the back burner because of all this stuff that went down. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I you know, it, it, it's like here it says, unlike the original 0079 Gundam lore, which regarded Rambaral as a guerrilla warfare expert dubbed the Blue Giant for battlefield heroics during the Battle of Loom, the origin version of Rambaral did not participate in the Battle of Loom. Instead, he's portrayed as a disgraced former commander who has found himself as a result of adhering to his own personal code of honor and decency by refusing to participate in Operation British, demoted from active duty into a state of obscurity. So like his fan aura, like he's so honorable, he got demoted. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, and, and like none of that is part of what we're watching right now like you said he's a he's a competent guerrilla fighter who 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 just you know he 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 made a name for himself in a big battle right and he he became the blue giant and and that's the whole you know the whole deal or whatever you've really got to hand it to captain mcuve getting his underlings to inform us that the trojan horse is trying to evade our strategy well what hmm? do you think that mcuve's up to something dear i think you worry too much Amin. I guess I was going to, you know, before we move on to some of the next stuff, I was going to ask Justin, do you, are you, because I know you're the, the history buff, like, are, are you familiar with the connection that they supposedly attribute Rambaral to for a historical figure? No. Uh, I, I was Unless reading. Unless it's Rommel or somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what the people okay. were saying. They were saying, like, they were... They were comparing him to Erwin Rommel just because, you know, he, he's he got the nickname the Desert Fox, you know, and that, mm -hmm. you know, that that he was basically, uh, you know, he, he was on, you know, the the German side in World War Two, you mm -hmm. know, but even despite that, you know, that basically, he, you know, they, you know, some of the things he had a rep for was being chivalrous, you know, not executing prisoners of war, you know, things like that. Right. And then also that he was a great tactician with tanks and that it was a pain in the ass to get him out of Africa and all this other stuff in World War Two. So like some of that, I mean, you know, maybe it's like jumping the gun because we're just being introduced to Ron Baral here. But I mean, I could see a lot of that stuff. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I can I can see why you would, you know, you, you know, why some of those aspects would 
you know, be easily imprinted onto, uh, you know, the, the fictional character in the Gundam universe. Like, it seems like he is, you know, somebody that's regarded as being chivalrous despite, you know, being on the, you know, the, the quote unquote, the other side. Right. I mean, if you're uh, a student of history, I guess the comparisons are obvious. But if you're just, you know, uh, anime fanboy, you probably aren't aware of those uh, connections unless you, you know, read a wiki entry that kind of spills it out for you. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could kind of say he's kind of like maybe like almost like a Destro kind of like he's not the big bad, but he's like, you know, a little bit honorable, but he's still a bad guy. He's kind of like the bad you know, guy you you wish you were, you know? Right, yeah. Like he's not a monster. He just I mean, I mean yeah, Crowley that, Crowley Hammond is pretty hot, right? Like so that's kind of the whole, you know, Destro Baroness thing. Like that's part of his innate fan aura that you can't take away from him whether it's Gundam the Origin or this original anime, right? He's got this he he's got a a strong woman, you know, right at his side, right? And she's you know, she's a looker and, and, and the whole nine yards. So, I mean, I, I guess I I can easily see that comparison if you want to make it. Or you could say Rambaral is the OG version of Andrew Waltfield. What do you think of all this? Well, the Desert Tiger is a brilliant commander, and I've never heard of him being so ruthless. But it's not like I know the guy personally or anything. Yeah, I think, what do you call it? He's... He is the prototype of a lot of those like older veteran guys from on the other side that kind of forge some kind of connection with the protagonist. So then basically at this point, once once Sela launches in the Gundam, we get the whole commercial break. In a city where corruption rules the streets. Only one man can stop the serial killer known as the Blood Bandit. James Kurt, a former police officer turned private investigator, must race against the clock to stop the madman before he achieves his ultimate diabolical goal. When JK's brother Alex is thought killed in the line of duty and mysteriously returns with no memory of his past life, the stakes are raised even higher. Enigma, the comic book series from Quiet Productions, Written and illustrated by T.J. Damon, with colors and effects by Jason Vickers. Enigma. Order your copy at quadimproductions.com today. And then after we come back from commercial break, Sela does launch in the Gundam, but she is ill-prepared for the G-Forces and gets queasy on the way down. The Gallop begins to fire on White Base, and the two exchange fire while the gun cannon and gun tank launch. Sela wishes to contact someone from Xeon, but a Zaku quickly comes upon Gundam along with Ramba Rawls Goof. The gun cannon, piloted by Amuro, blasts Rawls Goof. The fight continues, but since Sela is not responding to the comm channels, gun tank and gun cannon aren't sure how to coordinate the fight. Amuro blows away one of the Zakus with gun cannon, and gun tank destroys destroys Rawls' goof shield, causing him to retreat. Sela nearly gets the Gundam captured, but when Rawl tells the other Zaku to break off the attack, Amuro beats the Zaku down in gun cannon. Rawl then retreats and rendezvous with the Gallop. 
So uh, for this, like, just just to point out the comparisons, like in movie two, basically, uh, I'd say like maybe like eight or nine minutes of this battle is is, you know, some of the early action in in movie two right you you know you you have the whole introduction with the gallop and and sailor launching and gundam and the whole you know like who the hell is that you know like kind of thing going on i it's funny because i was looking for reviews of this episode in particular just to see if i could find anything where somebody like i don't know lost their mind over you know, how how Salo was portrayed in this or whatever. And, you know, I found some old reviews of things, but most people seem pretty accepting of it. It's like they kind of, you know, whatever your take on it is, you know, it's like they just kind of say, okay, well, you know, she never really piloted a mobile suit. She only did the simulators and, you know, she wasn't really prepared for the whole thing. So for the most part, it's like, I mean, part of me is like, well, it, it it's like would would Rambaral have wrecked the Gundam that much if Amuro was piloting it? Probably not, right? But that's because Amuro has experience using the Gundam, whereas she's just kind of flying by the seat of her pants and kind of trying to, you know, I don't know, like she she thinks she's going to somehow be able to to contact somebody. And I, I don't think she she's kind of going off half cocked, like not, you know, not really having much of a plan. But like, I, I don't know. I just I again, I, I just feel it's funny. Like, you know, it makes me think of your, you know, your little video meme with the, the Kill Bill thing or whatever, you know, and the, the Gundam, the origin or whatever, where she's, you know, shooting people down and, and, and doing, you know, Sela stuff. Right. Which is not unusual in this series. But, you know, I, I, I guess I don't know. But there, there's that part of me that wonders if if some people would like you know, lose their minds over this today when it's probably not really a big deal. I think that, you know, like Sayla is using that, like, you know, what Bright says is like her excuse, basically. So, I mean, you you could say that's like outdated thinking almost, but it's not, it's Sayla covering her ass. Like, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it's not like a, you know, that's what Bright says is not the truth, I don't think. So, like, it's just what she told him. And, you know, she just wants information on Char and maybe she underestimated like, you know, or overestimated her own abilities, probably. But I mean, that's I mean, no one there's no one currently comparable to Amaro. So, I mean, yeah. you know, even, you know, Ryu or Kai or Hayato wouldn't right. probably do right. much better in the Gundam. So, I mean, it's not, you know, just because she's a woman, she couldn't pilot it. Yeah, that I mean, the the funny part to me is I, I, I don't even think Bright's outdated. I think Bright's even though the reason is fake, like I, I kind of think Bright's right for putting her in the brig for that reason. In other words, like that is a stupid reason to take it out. Do you know what I mean? Like like it's like based based on what you just said, not based on like. I don't know what whatever anybody you know. Yeah, even wants even to a say. real reason would yeah, be stupid. Yeah, 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 too. So like, like I said, she was just covering her ass basically. Yeah, yeah. Because she doesn't want them to know that her brother is the you know the dude in the mask yet. Well, I, I think it was also a fun way to do a, another kind of classic trope. Well, it became a classic trope because I watched Mobile Suit Gundam later because it wasn't available in the states. 
So I watched Robotech first. And what this battle reminded me of, especially when I rewatched it, was there's an episode where there's some riding Zentradi and they have like the power suits. They don't even have like the battle pods. And the, the power suits essentially are, you know, like it's like Iron Man. You're not you're not that much bigger than your normal size. You just have, you know, more weapons and stuff. So they are rioting and stuff, and Rick Hunter, his Veritech fighter, or his Valkyrie, whichever one you want to call it, isn't ready yet. It's being uh, repaired. You know, he had, he had suffered damage in the previous episode. But he wants to help out, so he takes one of the battle, uh, battleoids. These are like the, the destroids. They're non-transforming robots. They're basically cannon fodder in most episodes. And he takes one out, and he wrecks shop with it. And it's mm. because he's the main hero. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, it's like Amuro wrecking shop with the gun cannon, even though you, you might you might get that sort of disapproving, you know, oh, the gun cannon, the gun tank, like they're not as cool as the Gundam. But it's like when Amuro's piloting it, it's like he's he's able to. I, I, I thought that was funny that like technically, like, you know, it's funny about the, the, the movie in the movie the first time. Rambaral and Amuro encounter one another. Amuro is in the Gundam the first time, but in this, like the the just the regular series, the first time they encounter one another, Amuro is actually in the gun cannon, which I thought was interesting. I uh, know this this is their second encounter, I think. Is it? Yeah, like we already did the episode where they introduced Rambaral and they they had a brief scuffle. Oh, okay. See, I can't. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't keep up with this shit anymore because <laughs> because we 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 take too long sometimes between episodes. So I'm like I'm like I knew I knew they appeared, but I thought they were just landing. No, because that's but, the you know that's so, so the, that's that this is Nozaku boy. You know, oh, Nozaku. okay, okay, okay. So my bad. Yeah, that's what I was referencing earlier. I was like, I'm not going to say the catchphrase because I wasn't here for that episode. <laughs> But it, it is impressive that Amuro still, like, you know, drives him off with just the gun cannon. Or maybe just Kai sucks and he's not using the gu gun cannon to its, to full, its potential. full potential. I, I, I almost I mean, thought Rambaral, at least in the, the Japanese language version, sounded kind of like Krooge from Star Trek Three, where, you know, once Akus gets blown up, you know, like, it, it's kind of like he's like, Get out of there! You know, to, to Kozun or whatever. But I mean, yeah, I guess that... If, that kind of shows that he's, you know, he's actually concerned about his men, too. If he was on a cliff and the gun cannon could sneak up behind him and shove him off, then he would, they could have defeated him right then and there. Because that's the gun cannon's <laughs> signature move. Yep, yep. Gun well, cannon I mean, has had enough of you. <laughs> well, it, it's also just basic, you know, mathematics. It was a three-on-three -three fight, but one of the other team was down and almost beaten, so it was really three-on-two. Then it became a fair fight with two on two. And it was like, you know, this doesn't look good because the other one isn't out of the battle. It's still active. It's just not working right now. <laughs> right. Because 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 they're I mean, I guess they were trying to almost destroy the, the Gundam. But it's it's, you know, the most powerful suit there is on the show at the moment. So it's like they, they had to expend all this energy just to sort of momentarily cripple and distract it. But they they couldn't actually destroy it even though they're the, you know all those guys are kind of overzealous Amaro, Amaro even beats down what is it Kozun is the one who gets captured yeah Kozun's the one yeah that gets like, captured. you know he beats down his Zaku and... 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it's almost like he just walks up one punches him and drags his ass away or whatever, you know? <laughs> no, no, what I thought was funny. Like, I like when, you know, they take the his, Kozun Zaku into the hangar and they like, you know, they get him out and like, they, there's that funny ass exchange where he's like, yo, you know, treat me right. And like, Bright's like, yeah, well, you're not going to get fed well. And it was like, yeah, it's the same all over. Like, you know, we can't, we don't got any good rations from the higher ups or anything. Yeah. But I thought it was funny that they like, you know, not only are Ryu and, you know, Job John and whoever else, like all surrounding the cockpit and Bright's got like his pistol trained on him and they've got their pistols. And then Amuro like gets out of the gun cannon and he's got a pistol like pointed at Kozun. And then I thought it was going to like pan to like, you know, the the walkway or something. It would be like Fraubo and the kids with all guns. Like, <laughs> Kika's got a freaking M60 like roadblock. It's like the biggest gun in the whole <laughs> fucking life. Yeah. Fucking Haro's got like a little robot arm holding it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe, who the hell is that aboard the Gundam? So after the fight, as we mentioned, Amuro drags off the Zaku and gun cannon and they take the Zaku pilot Kozun prisoner. And Sela will be sent to the brig for three days as punishment. But before she goes into the brig, she manages to talk to Kozun and asks him what became of Shah Asnoble. He tells her that Shah lost his position for failing to protect Garma and likely returned home to side three. Once alone in her cell, Sela cries out that Shah, her brother, is alive. And the white base finds some salt water at the saltwater lake. And next episode, Amuro deserts. Who will survive? And, and not like deserts for the chef, but like he leaves the army. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, again, like I was trying to keep track of all this stuff, and and it, it it's a little tough for me. But like they, you know, I mean, I guess we've known that she's his sister since episode two pretty much but i mean i guess there was some question because he was kind of like he she can't be artesia but but it's like is you know it's it's funny like trying to isolate stuff when you're trying to be all i don't know hypercritical about it it's like when exactly do they both know like and clearly she knows but does does he know or it or are they just are they questioning it but they really know you know in their heart or whatever you know like I, I don't know what the the deal is but it seems like that's always been an element since uh, episode two of this series but this this seems a lot more definitive at least right like she's she's even though she's keeping it a secret from everybody else but herself once she's all alone in the cell like she kind of you know blurts it all out so that the audience is kind of in on like basically if uh, hopefully if you were the stupid fucking grandma asking who the burn victim was in the english patient like this scene that sayla has would like clear that up for grandma do you know what i mean like like oh they're brother and sister you know like they would that that even grandma would figure it out at this point i don't really have a problem with the way shayla is treated in this episode I think I have a problem with like her decision making and maybe that's a failing mm. of the writing because like her concern for Shar kind of comes out of the blue. Like it would be one thing if we were like privy to her thoughts or if she said something out loud in her quarters or something, but it, it feels like this concern comes out of nowhere and she's so determined to 
finds some information that she takes the Gundam. She forges orders, basically. She lies about having orders. Takes the Gundam out into combat. She has no training simulations, but, you know, she has no experience. She gets, you know, the Gundam is totaled because of her, and she's sent into three days of solitary. But she did, she gets her information. So I guess that was good. But, like, I don't know. It just, all that kind of comes out of nowhere. It seems like she's making a lot of poor decisions. And, like, I, I kind of feel like it would have been better if, like, you know, Kozu as they're marching him to the brig, like he tried to escape and he was shot and, you know, she's like running to him to try and talk to him and he dies before telling her, telling her anything. Like, I think that would be a, a better ending. It's like, she goes through all that. The guy dies. She doesn't learn anything. And she has to do three days in solitary. But like, mm. I, don't, I don't know how you guys feel about Shayla and her decision-making in this episode. I mean, I feel like once, once I, you know, once you understand what she's doing, you do have that moment of like, because because it's like, OK, so pr pretend every they, like this is the thing I always like to do. Pretend everything went according to Hoyle for her. Like, so say she forges the order, takes out the Gundam and 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 nobody's the wiser. Then what? You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't under uh, like why would why does she think? that she's going to be able to have like a nice peaceful conversation yeah. with a Zaku or a goof or what, whatever they come upon. Like, like just because the Gundam's the most powerful suit and they'd be afraid to attack it. Like I, I just, that I agree with you. That is like maybe a poor choice because I don't, I, I at that point, I, I, I get that, you know, I, I understand the emotional concern, but I don't right. understand like the, the logic in like okay so you you've got this emotional concern but like when the logic of implementing it like it's like i could kind of rationalize like even though it's weird because that is her answer like i, I could kind of backtrack and think to myself okay well char had been chasing them and then he stopped after garma's funeral and then that would cause the concern so i i might be able like that might be my no prize to you as like, well, it didn't come out of nowhere. Like, like, like maybe the chain of events caused the concern to come up or increase or something like that. Like to where she felt like she had to do something. But as far as like, you know, what she actually like, I, I'm just trying to think of like, if if everything was flower and roses, like what, like she, you know, she goes out in the Gundam and then and then the Zaku's just like. Hey Gundam, what's up, bro? And then and then she's like, "Hi, can you tell me about Char?" And the Zaku's like, "Sure, I will tell you about Char." Like, I mean, I I I, I don't know. I just it, no matter what, I don't see that happening. So I, I'm I'm just trying to figure out what she thought was going to happen. This also like you know this revelation, even though it's not really a revelation. I, I think you know it pretty much cemented our like trope that I didn't start. I think it was Mike. It might have been Justin. What are you two? The whole, you know, oh, he's a char, you know, he's a char, you know, because in Gundam Wing, they do this exact same fucking thing. Like the 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 younger sister is pretty much quote unquote a good person, and like the 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 older brother has gone quote unquote to the dark side, and also wears a helmet and also changes his name. <laughs> 
And like, you know, watching Gundam Wing first before I got to see this, when I saw this, I'm like, oh my God, they straight up ripped themselves off, you know? <laughs> it's like I guess I guess along those lines, I guess Relina doesn't make a lot of sensical decisions in that entire series either. But I mean, if you're gonna compare Sela to Relina, I guess Sela comes out on top, right? As far as like logical yeah. decisions but in this particular instance i think i agree with justin that it's it's <laughs> with, it's emotionally Rel- based and 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 came out as a poor decision you know either with, way you with, with, cut it with with relina i mean all her bad decisions magically like turn out for the best like, <laughs> she, she becomes like queen of the world like somehow like but then yeah, again, I, you know, Gundam Wing is kind of out there when it comes to, you know, character motivations and stuff. Right. Her plan is like, I'll let Hero kill me. Then he'll love me. You're fucking brilliant. Yeah, Sayla is a little bit more grounded. I, I, I agree with you and Justin, you know, as far as like her actions in this episode specifically. It, it probably would have been better, honestly, if she had just snuck out a white base and walked up with her hands up and was like, you know, take me prisoner because they probably would have taken her prisoner. But if you're in the main unit that the that your uh, opponent has, that's the strongest weapon they have. Your first instinct is not going to be like, you know, oh, don't shoot at it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wonder, like, she know you know that she knows who Ramba Rall is, and I mean, Ramba Rall knows her, so maybe like if she thinks she can get in contact with him. But then, then again, that's very dangerous, too, because, I mean, as soon as Ron Barol knows it's her, I mean, what is he's probably going to take her back to Zeon. So, I mean, or at least, you know, he she's too valuable, a you know, a chess piece to leave like on the white base pretty much. So, right. But that's interesting because you, you think in her ideal plan, she steals the Gundam finds Ramba Rawl specifically and then he knows her so then they have like a a normal talk without getting into a fight like that's that's probably like in her mind that's what she's thinking the ideal scenario is when she goes off and does this whereas like Ramba Rawl's like I want you to destroy your your white base and your Gundam (laughs) that's all I want (laughs) I mean, what do you what do you, what do you guys think of the the the? I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is my limited point of view, but what do you think of the gun cannon kind of owning Rambaral? Like, is that just you know atypical? Amaro's the lead; he gets to to pull that off in the gun cannon, and 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 Rambaral gets to look cool because he buries himself in the sand and and messes up the Gundam's foot and stuff like that. I think that the gun cannon, especially in the hands of someone like Amaro, has a distinct advantage against the goof because the goof is based, like, you know, focused on melee combat. And, you know, all all Amaro really has to do is, yeah, like, use the cannons and keep it away from him. So, but, I, I, I mean, you know, we see in the preview for next episode, I mean, you know, the uh, when Kai's piloting the gun cannon, he can't really effectively fight Rambo Rawls. So yeah, it's, I think, it's, a, it's yeah. almost like when Amaro's piloting it, the, the gun cannon is like freaking Spider-Man. But when 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 Kai's piloting it, it's it's kind of like, a, you know, I don't know a snuffleupagus or something you know what i mean like yeah. it's just, just kind of there well i think you know? you know it's it's to separate amaro from yeah. them yeah you know yeah. and even you know even like even with sayla and the gundam too it's not just the gundam that's invincible like you need the combination of amaro in the gundam to make it you yeah, know that, the maximum like output 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess I guess that that is that is a good display of of the the notion that it, it, it's not just the suit that's making the hero, right? Like that that it can't just be anybody gets in the suit and then and then they they all wreck shop. It does have something specifically to do with with Amaro as a, you know, person and later, you know, new type, right? So yeah, and, and and I mean, also, you know, if you do want to go for like marketing or or maybe to sell toys later, I don't know if they had a gun cannon this early, but you know, if you were going to make toys, you want to make the gun cannon look cool too, you know, and like the best way to do that in a story is to have like the best pilot pilot it, you know, that way it's like, oh man, maybe the gun cannon is cool. I don't know. No, I didn't hurt my feelings. It didn't make me like you know feel. I didn't feel that Rambo Raw was cheated because Amaro is a is a good pilot. He's the main hero. So like you know, like Mike was saying, it's not really the mobile suit. It's it's you know, like like fucking Amaro actually almost does damage in a fucking ball in in one point later on. So <laughs> the, the guy can fly anything and fucking deal at least some damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does anybody else have any other thoughts or anything they want to talk about for Sailor's Agony? Needed more Frabo scenes. I mean, she served him food. I mean, maybe if she did a strip tease while she hey, served him food. That reminds me, what the fuck were they eating for breakfast? It looked like hamburgers. Did you notice that? Like, you who know, that, hamburgers you, for breakfast? You know, you know what's funny was in the the wikia, it did say it was hamburgers, but I, I have to be honest, like that, I'm like. That's no hamburger I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, like, so I was like, I'm not saying that in the synopsis. Like, I almost felt like they were, like, uh, maybe I'm the weirdo, but you, you know how, like, you have, like, dark bread, you know, like, where it's, like, the, the, the you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, well, I'm probably missing the word, but, you know, you, you, it's, like, instead of having, like, you know, white bread rolls, you know, you have that that kind of dark wheat type bread or whatever. And I just thought, oh, is that just really, like, dark, you know, you know, bread or something like that? Like, that that's kind of what I thought, like, that it was some kind of morning bread is, like, you know, bread and butter and pastry and this and that and the other thing. And, and him just going, hey, uh, we don't got no salt. But, yeah, I don't think... Uh, I don't know. I if that's a hamburger, I don't I don't want to live. You know, like like that that's that's uh, wow. Like that's if that's a hamburger, that that I'm sorely disappointed. Like then Chef Tamura needs like a new fucking job. Like if that's a hamburger, you know. Were, were you thinking of rye bread? Rye bread. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I I was just thinking that like Chef Tamura should have been voiced by like the dude who voiced like Morbius in the '90s Spider-Man cartoon. Like I need the salt. Like oh, he wouldn't shut up about the salt. Like, well look at look at how fucked up the hamburgers were without the salt. I know, right? Huh? Oh, there's no salt. Why won't you let me have salt? But I. Alicia, eat your hamburger. I can't make the hamburgers right without the salt. Uh, see you later, like Parker, when you have a decent hamburger. I have no salt. <laughs> Well, I hope they can, like, you know, they, I think someone says, oh, it shouldn't be too hard to distill, like, salt from salt water or something. So I hope they have some kind of, you know, distilling apparatus or something on board or maybe well, in the future there's a way did. to do that. But. Clearly they did. I mean, I don't, I don't I don't think that's too far fetched. I think that's just part of the whole 
real robot. The genre. science of salt making makes no sense in Mobile Suit Gundam. I, I think it does. I, I fight you on that. I, I think that's fine. I think I think no, you I'm can just, get just, salt. Like it, it, it makes just... sense. He is my brother. I'm positive of it now. <laughs> Well, then, um, if, if there's no more comments, we will uh, we will uh, adjourn for the the evening on the white base. But uh, if anyone has any comments, questions, and or concerns, they can reach us over at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes of Mobile Suit Mondays, you can find those over at the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes of Mobile Suit Mondays there. If you want, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts. We're also available to be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And if you want, you can catch us on all kinds of social medias. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike Salt. This is Justin Zig Zion. This is Tony, worst pilot, Sailor. Deanna Troy, you decide. Wouldn't Sayla have to like crash the entire white base for that to compare? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. She's good on the white base. She just can't fight on the Gundam. Yeah, that's true. Fair. She wins. Yeah, Troy sucks more. <laughs>